Hello, hello, hello. Come on. Hey, everybody outside, come on in here. I got some announcements. First one. That's Sherry's doing. She dares me to do that every week. That's a Longhorn deal. You can. I don't even know how to say that. Okay, I got two or three things here for you. First of all, I'm going to tell you, I am not going to get up here anymore and tell you about resumes, interviews, tryouts, or anything else. That is gone. So, and, and you guys aren't any more happy about it than I am, believe me. So, <laughs> but yeah, that, that's, we're done with that. Uh, another thing is, uh, I'm going to throw a big shout out. I'm not going to name names because I always forget somebody and then I get in trouble. So I'm just going to throw a big shout out to everybody that cleaned the parsonage, worked on the parsonage, and got it all up in good shape and stocked it up with some food and everything for Brother Marcus and his wife and his family. So thank you all. Without naming names, I just want to give yourself a big hand for that. I have two announcements. Or not announcements, two thank you cards. Y'all know how clumsy I am. Okay, this is from Justin Murden, the, uh, a senior graduate this year. Thank you for my Bible, for daily devotional, and for the money. Thank you for the graduation gift, Justin Burton. And that's um, stepson. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes I get confused. I don't know. But yeah, his dad is out on the desk today, and, I just, and he handed this to me. So uh, when you see him, tell him happy graduation, and the, hard, the hardest is yet to come. <laughs> I, I hate to say that, but it is. I mean, getting out of high school is the easy part. Moving on in your life sometimes gets a little bit harder. Okay. This one is from brother, from Sister Mary. She says, Dear church family, thank you for bringing the meat and cheese tray to my house. It was so much appreciated. Thank you all so much for your thoughts and prayers. And that's from Mary Burns. And she is doing very much better. And just continue to pray for her. And she will be back I'm pretty soon. Um, sometime. Here's another one. This one I usually don't do, but I'm going to do this one today. I'm taking up Pastor Marcus's time. He said he don't care if we don't get out till 1230. Well, he doesn't have to preach tonight. We're going to eat. So we got, we got, to, we got to do everything this morning. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, of course, we have Sunday morning, Sunday school. We're going to start having Sunday school for the kids. We have children's church. We have youth on Wednesday. We have Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night services for the grown-ups right here. Come and enjoy some of it. Um, June, July 15th, 8.30 a.m. in the Fellowship Hall will be our men's breakfast. Free food and Bible study. Uh, August 5th at 8.30 in the Fellowship Hall is our men's, uh, just our regular Bible study, once a month Bible study. Heart to Heart, no meeting for July. Okay, uh, that was easy. Uh, July 29th at 11.30. Is this prime timers? Yes. Okay, okay. They, they kind of run together on a bullet here. All right. July 29th at 11.30 at El Mexicano prime timers, and that's just right over here in this little shopping mall. Uh, I've eaten there. Good food, guys. Give them, give them a try out. Um, our cookout tonight. Bring everything, but here, here's the order. Okay, 
bring dessert. <laughs> bring, bring pickles, onions, peppers, and dessert. Bring mayonnaise, mustard, and ketchup, and dessert. And then all that other stuff, like baked beans, potato salad, and everything else, and then dessert. So if you're, if you're, getting, a, if you're getting a trend here, you got it, because that's <laughs> bring dessert. Okay. Now, I want to I say something. And all these announcements are in this bulletin. And I give them pretty regular. Sometimes I just say yada, yada, and they're in there and read them for yourself. But I would like for you to pick up a bulletin and read it. Because when you open the bulletin, you're going to find something else in there. It's going to be this long prayer list of people that need prayer. And I know a lot of times we get away from praying for all the people in our church that need prayers. And not just in our church, but it's our family, our friends, and everybody else. So we're here to serve God. And to be praying for our brothers and sisters is serving God. So get that, get that list and see, get that list. Hang it up on your, on your refrigerator with a magnet. And every time you go open the icebox and get something to eat, pray for somebody. And, and just keep them in mind and keep them in your heart. Okay, that's about all the goofiness I got for the one day. You guys are just going to help with an with offering. Come on up. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the chance to gather in your presence, Lord. And we know that you are always here. And we thank you for that. Lord, we want to walk in your will. And we want to kneel in your presence every day. Lord, we pray that you'll bless this offering. Use it for the glory of your kingdom and for the glory of your people, Heavenly Father. We pray, Lord, in the name of your Son and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, y'all get on your feet. There should be so much excitement in this house this morning that it's contagious to those that aren't even here. Father, we just thank you this morning that a promise has finally came to fruition, God. We thank you, God, for all the prayers that went into this day, Father. Father, we ask that you would just have your way in this service this morning, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. day in history. Death is beaten, you have rescued me. Celebrate, Jesus is alive. The empty cross, the empty grave. Life eternal, you have won the day. Sing it out, Jesus is alive. Oh, he's alive. And oh, happy day. Happy day, you wash my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day, I'll never be the same. When I stand in that place, free at last, meeting face to face, I am yours, Jesus, you are mine. Endless joy, perfect peace, earthly pain finally will cease. Celebrate, Jesus is alive. Oh, he's alive. And oh, 
I tried to change this last song last night three or four times and I kept thinking of another one that would flow with praising something a little bit different and the Holy Spirit just kept bringing me back to this song he said no this is the one this is the one you're going to do today because the reason that you're here is to praise God and only only for that reason to lift his name and to magnify his name so we're just going to do that this morning we're going to take some time we're just going to forget about everything that's going on around us. Every situation that may hinder our connection with the one and only God. And we're just going to focus on Him and just lift our praises to His name this morning. I sing praises to Your name. Oh Lord, praises to Your name. Oh Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. I sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord, praises to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised let's sing that again i get praises i sing praises to your name oh lord praises to your name oh lord for your name is great and greatly to be praised Sing praises to your name, oh Lord, praises to your name, oh Lord, 
For your name is great and greatly to be praised. Let's give honor to his name this morning. I give glory to your name. Oh, Lord, glory to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. I give glory to your name. Oh, Lord, glory to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. Oh, we sing praises. I sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord, praises to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. I sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord, praises to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. Father, we honor you this morning. Would you just stretch out your hands towards the Lord this morning? Jesus, your name is great. Your name is great, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can you turn my mic down just a little bit? Thank you, Jesus. Father, we honor you this morning. Your name is great and greatly to be praised. The whole reason why we're here this morning is to give you praise. Lord, this is not about me. This is not about us. This is about you. Everything that we do should give you glory and honor. Jesus, we give you praise this morning. We praise your holy name. Just begin to lift up his name. 
Begin to honor his name this morning. We praise you this morning, Lord. We glorify you. The name that is above every name. We praise you. We glorify you this morning. Hallelujah. Would you, would you mind singing that again? I sing praises, praises to your name. Sing it out, church. Oh, Lord, you, praises to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name is great and greatly to this morning. I'm just sensing in my spirit, somebody's got a word for us this morning. If you've got that word this morning, would you just share it this morning? Somebody, God's dropping something in your heart this morning. Let's just take a moment and rest on the Lord. I just want to be open to what the Holy Spirit has here this morning. If you're nervous about it, you can share it with me. God's dropping something in your heart this morning. Let's be sensitive to the Holy Spirit.
son is head over the church and he must be followed. He must be obeyed. My word must be first and foremost in your lives. Yes. And as you live my word out, as you speak my word out, I will bring those to me that I will draw. Because I want you to be a church that is so full of my spirit that it literally draws them off of the highway into this building so that you minister life to them, so that you minister healing to them, so that you minister deliverance to them. I am a God that yes, delivers. Lord. I am a God that heals. I am yes, a God Lord. that sets the captive free. Yes, Lord. And that's what I desire to do in my church, and I will do it. Just follow me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For Thank I you. am God. Thank you, Thank you Jesus. Thank you, Thank you, Lord. 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 I'm going to ask you to do something. Would you just stretch across the aisles and grab hands as we pray for each other in the church this morning? Do the best that you can. I want to pray together as a church. If you guys don't mind doing that, I know it might be a little strange for you, but it's okay. It's okay to hold hands and pray if you can't reach across. Something that was, he, he conf, God confirmed everything that was on my heart this morning. See, I can't grow the church. You hired a pastor, but I can't grow the church. You can't grow the church. The Bible says one plants, another one waters, but God makes it grow. And I think it's important because I'm in this with you guys. We're a team, right? So as we pray this morning, let's do what Solomon did. Let's pray for wisdom, direction, and guidance from the Holy Spirit on how he wants to do it here. This is not about us. This is about him and the reaching the community. So let's pray. Father, as you laid this on my heart, and even the message that you laid on my heart last night that I was reluctant to preach on this morning, Father, we pray right now, we don't want our will. We don't want to do it our way. We want your direction. We need your help, Lord. We cannot do anything without you. You said, Father, that if we don't abide in you, we can't bear fruit. But, but Lord, uh, apart from you, we can do nothing. But, Lord, when we're abiding in you and we're together in you and we're, we're, we're uh, as the church was unified in their direction, you can do amazing things. So, Father, we're just open to the Holy Spirit. We want what you want, not what we want. You lead us. You guide us as a group. Give us direction. Give us vision. Uh, give us dreams and goals and plans to set. Father, this is not about just having a social group. This is about reaching and building up the body of Christ, building up the kingdom. So, Father, we want to do everything that honors and pleases you this morning. Lord, would you just help us this morning, all of us, as we go into this next chapter at Lone Grove? Would you just, would you just do that this morning? We yield ourselves to you. You lead us. You guide us this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, thank you. I'd like to dismiss the kids at this time to go back. And thank you, man. I really appreciate you guys. And notes are gone because I think the message that God had, well, maybe I don't know. Let me pray about it. Okay, I got it. All right.
Would you have your Bibles? Would you please open them to the book of Mark? Now, just to give you a heads up, I, I like using PowerPoint, but I just got here and trying to get everything worked up. And so give me a, uh, a few days or maybe a couple weeks to get that worked out with uh, Rick. And that way I can get some scriptures up there up on the overhead for you. So, you know, when you're moving, you got all kinds of stuff and you're trying to get things. And I, you know, I was praying about certain things and, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And so uh, you just got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Um, If you have your Bibles, go with me to Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, and then we're going to pray. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. And then uh, before you, while you're going there, before I read, I just want to say thank you to all all of you that did the Parsonage. I really appreciate that. And we're so thankful for that and the refrigerator and helping us move down here and just your graciousness and love and accepting us here. And so, uh, by the way, I'm Marcus Truesdale, my wife, Stacy Truesdale here, and And uh, my daughter's bring, yeah, go, that's fine. I'm thinking you're giving the clap offering to her because she has to put up with me. So um, I've got three daughters, Brianna, uh, Natalie, and Annabelle. And some of you guys met her uh, last month, but it's good to be here. It was a long travel, uh, but it was fun. I'm glad my 97 Chevy made it, you know. Uh, So God is good. All right, Mark chapter 4, verses 33. Through 41. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet. Be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. That your word is true. I pray, Lord, that the soil of our hearts would be soft to receive the seed of your word, to, to, to be planted, rooted, and grow. Lord, I pray that each one of us would understand what your scripture says today. Give us an, open up the eyes of our understanding and the eyes of our heart. Help us to take it personally into our lives and put it into practice. Father, as your, as your uh, servant here this morning, Lord, I can do nothing apart from you. Speak through me. I want to get out of the way so the Holy Spirit can speak. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus and everybody said, Amen. You know, I've titled this message, We Have Perfect Peace When Jesus is in the Boat. Uh, You know, I kind of spoke on peace last time we were here, but some of us need peace in our life. If you have Christ, you have what? Peace. Even if you don't feel like it. I mean, how many of us don't always feel like we have peace? So Jesus is with the disciples and You know, he just taught about the parable of the mustard seed. So if anything you can get out of this message this morning, it's about faith. God can be trusted. The word trust means to believe in. Another word for it is to lean on. How many of you guys know Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Now put in, lean not on your own understanding, but lean on the Lord, right? 
Lean on the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So another definition of trust is to lean on. Have you ever leaned on somebody before? I'm a short guy, so if I lean on somebody, they can hold me up usually. But there's something about resting on somebody, leaning on somebody. I think of the disciples in the upper room and John, you know, on the, in their table, it was down to the floor. It wasn't like the tables that we have today. And they would lean on the chest of the other individual. And I can just picture John leaning on Christ. And so we see a picture of Jesus teaching about faith. Now, peace comes when we know that Jesus leads. Look at verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Whose idea was it to go to the other side of the lake? It was Jesus's. Jesus was leading. If you know Christ, he is leading your life. We know in John chapter 10, verse 28 says, My sheep know my voice. They will not follow a stranger's voice. In fact, they'll run from it. And they follow me. That word follow in the Greek literally means to keep following or come alongside. How many of us are walking alongside Christ this morning? You're walking with him. You're not in this journey alone. Jesus is with you. But we have to let him lead. You know, I have a tendency, my wife said, I have a tendency to be the one, you know, the horse that gets ahead of the, the carriage, or how, I don't know how that it says. Maybe the carriage gets ahead of the horse, I don't know. But he has to pull back the reins on me sometimes. Does Jesus have to pull back the reins on you? So Jesus is the one that tells them to go over to the other side. It was his direction. Look at verse 36, leaving the crowd behind. They took him along just as he was. In the boat. And there were also other boats with him. We often miss that. It wasn't just the disciples in their, their boat. It, there were other boats alongside of him. So it wasn't just his disciples leaning on him. It was those others that were in the boat following. Again, a few reasons Jesus went to the other side. First, he was tired and he needed to get away from the crowds to get some rest. And second, I believe he knew that what was on the other side. The demon-possessed man. Sometimes God will take us and lead us through a storm because he wants to use us on the other side. But he's trying to teach us about faith, to trust in him. Again, that might describe you and I. We're in the will of God for our life and storms come up. A trial that seems unbearable, that looks like it will take us under. In fact, hold your spot here and go with me to James chapter 1. James, James chapter 1. Look at me in verses 2 through 5. Actually, two through, 2 through 8. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. James says, Consider it pure joy, another translation, full joy or complete joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Everybody say trials. That means that he's saying, you're going to face trials in this life. Yeah. I, I'm going I'm to kind of, this is not a rhetorical question. I'm going to ask, how many of you guys have faced trials in your life? Amen. You've been through some difficulties. Guess what? You're going to go through some more until you go home to be with Jesus. Amen. In fact, Jesus said, uh, uh, you will have trouble in this life, but be of good what? How many of us are excited for trials? 
most of us would, yeah, we say that now, but most of the time when we're going through it, it's, we're kicking and screaming, right? But he says, consider it full joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. And here's the reason for that. Because you know that the testing of your faith, it develops something. How do you know you're going to, you, you, when you were in school, how did you know that you would do well on it? How did you know you were learning something in school unless you took what? A test. So the Lord tests us. He goes through to see where our faith is. In fact, real faith is, isn't always a miracle. It's how strong are you through the test or at the end of the test? Do you still have faith when God doesn't answer the way that you want him to? Because God doesn't always answer the way that we want him to. Sometimes it's a no, sometimes it's a yes, and sometimes it's no, you're going to go through this. He says, because you know that the testing of your faith develops something in you. It's called endurance. Now, if I went out and tried to run a marathon right now, I know I would fall over. In order to run a marathon, you have to build endurance. Your faith is like that. I'm going to share, I don't know if I shared this last time I was here, but this... This is something that my old pastor shared with me a long time ago. It's a story, and it's, it's about a guy that God told him to push against a mountain. And he said, I want you to push against this mountain. So this guy's pushing against this mountain. A month goes by, the mountain doesn't move. Two months goes by, the mountain doesn't move. A year goes by, the mountain still hasn't moved. By this time, the guy's getting frustrated. Anybody ever get frustrated with tests and trials? By about the second year, he finally yells out to God, God, why hasn't this mountain moved? And God says, I never said the mountain was going to move. I just told you to push against the mountain. I want you to look how strong you are. Look at the muscles that you've built. Tests and trials build your spiritual muscle. They develop perseverance or endurance so that the next time you go through something, you're stronger. So he says, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, perseverance must finish its work. That means you have to allow God to work this in you. It must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You know, maturity is something we need to grow in Christ, and hopefully we're growing, right? There are some that are still drinking off the bottle. How many of you have ever watched your kids grow up and they go from drinking milk, I remember formula, we had to use formula, and I was so glad to get out of that stage. One, for one reason, it's really expensive. And two, holding the baby and having to feed it. God wants us to get to a point where we're not drinking off the bottle anymore, but we're eating like what the Apostle Paul says, and that's the meat of the word. That's maturity, and, 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 and trials should make you stronger. God doesn't bring trials into you to destroy you. He brings them in to make you stronger in your relationship with him. God wants you to succeed. I honestly believe that. How many of you guys believe that God wants you to succeed in this life? Yeah, he wants to see you through it. You know, it's like I, I believe in the pre-trib rapture. And you'll, you'll find out as a pastor, I'm pretty dogmatic. Everybody's got an opinion on that. I guess it'll all pan out in the end, right? right. When that trumpet goes, I'll just say, see, I was right. <laughs> I, I'm just teasing with you. Not, not everybody agrees with that. I mean, you can teach mid-trib, but 
I, I believe in pre-trib rapture. Well, in that, boy, why do I have these moments where I just lose my memory? I'm getting closer to 50, I guess. But everybody's laughing at me. I get that. Anyways, we'll go on. So maturity must complete itself so that you're not lacking anything. We need to grow in our walk with God. So Jesus takes them in the boat. Go back with me to Mark chapter 4. Jesus is the one that led them to the other side. He's the one that told them to get in the boat. Now look at verse 36. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with them. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Now, if you don't know much about the, the Sea of Galilee, now this is the Sea of Galilee. It's below sea level. It's surrounded by mountains. And they get really bad storms that come off of it and strong winds that will come down. And they can get swalls between uh, 10, sometimes 15 feet high. And so the disciples are in a, the boat. They, they found a boat that was, uh, that's still over there in Israel now. They, they found a kind of restored a boat that they found. That's the dimensions that are in the Bible. They were about 40 feet long. So you could just imagine these disciples, they're, they're fishermen. This is what they do for a living. They're, they're familiar with the water. And they're in this boat, and they're scared. A storm comes up. These squalls were coming over the boat. And so peace comes when we know that Jesus is present. Peace comes when we know Jesus is leading and peace comes when Jesus is present. So if Jesus is leading your life, even if you're in the storm, praise God that he's leading your life. Amen. And then praise God that he's present. Yeah. I'm glad that the Lord's present. The one thing about being a believer is I can tap into Jesus anytime I want to. I can call on his name and he answers me. And you know, even when you're in the midst of a storm or you're going through differences or changes, I mean, we're going through a change right now. I, my daughter, my middle daughter, is just crying. She's, she's bawling because of change. And, and so we come, we're, we're down here at the hotel last night, and you, you know, you're trying to console her. And then I had an opportunity. They were getting, I loaded all the bags up, and this guy that was over here to the left, and I don't know if this has anything to do with our message, but it's just a great praise report. Anyways, he was over there. His name is Alfredo, and he called over to me, and here my daughter's, you know, I'm worried about her, and I'm worried about how their changes, how they're accepting change and going through all the different changes, and yet this guy talks to me, and I, I can have that, that sense that I know when somebody needs the Lord. Yeah. So I walk over, and he's Spanish, and we're talking, and he, he starts talking to me, and opportunity arised. I start witnessing to him. And in the middle of all this change, God opened a door for me to lead that man to Christ last night in the parking lot over Best Western. God wants to use you even in your storm. Now, I'm not in a storm, but that's still a change, right? Change is big. So this squall comes up, this massive storm. And again, if the disciples were scared, then it should tell you how bad the storm was. Look at verse 38. Jesus was in the stern. Where was Jesus? He was in the boat. The question you have to ask yourself this morning is Jesus in your boat. Going to church doesn't save you. Knowing about Jesus doesn't save you. Being born again is what saves you. Putting your faith in Christ. And when you do that, he is in the boat. 
And I love that he was asleep in the boat. The disciples were concerned, but was Jesus concerned? No. He was asleep. How many of you sometimes think God is asleep in your storm? And you're like, God, where are you? And he's not moved. I mean, who created the earth? Who created the stars and the ocean and the seas? God did. So Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. He was present. If you're born again this morning and you know Christ, he is present in your storm. He is present in your circumstances. Now, maybe you're not dealing with anything this morning. Praise God. Those are the times you need to give God praise for what he's doing. And you need to use those opportunities to spread the gospel. Matthew 28, 19. Everybody knows the Great Commission, right? I call it the Great Command because it wasn't just a commission. Jesus was commanding. So in the middle, even if you're not in a storm, you need to be about the Father's business. And you may say, well, I'm not a preacher like you. Listen, I got the gift of gab. My wife's the introvert. I'm the extrovert. I've always said I could talk to a rock and have a conversation. But Jesus even said the rocks would cry out. But just because you're an introvert or you don't have all the words to say, the Bible says that Jesus will give you the words to speak. You know, oftentimes, God had to teach me this lesson, that when we're in a storm, we want to get our focus on who? Us. We want to put our focus on everything that's going on in our life. I remember I used to attend a group called Insight up in Tulsa there. A lot of ORU students would come and Remember, I had a problem in my life. I was going through some storms and some difficulties, and my focus was always about me. I talked about my problem all the time. Do you talk about your problems all the time? That'll tell you where your focus is. And I, I finally, I, I felt like I was supposed to go to Insight that night. It was on a Tuesday night. And the speaker that night had a message, and God changed it on him. And everything that I had told the Lord, because at that time I was a bivocational pastor, so I was working for Tulsa County, driving. Everybody knows where Tulsa's at, right? I know you guys know that's in the Oklahoma, you know, right up here. You know, that it's closer to OSU, cowboy fans. I, I know one thing, I, I wasn't born in Oklahoma, so I'm a cowboy and Sooners fan. But if you're a true Okie, right, you either root for one or the other. But I remember sitting in the dump truck, and I told the Lord everything that was going on in my life that day. And I finally admitted, Lord, it was my fault. It's my problem. I'm here because of me. And that night I went to Insight, and I remember Mark, I think his name was Mark Shorey, if I can remember right. He changed his message, and he talked about Lazarus. And he said, when Lazarus came out of the tomb, he was wrapped up, wasn't he? Yeah. And it took somebody else to unwrap him. Sometimes God will unwrap you when you unwrap other people. God will unwrap you and get you through your trial when you help other people. Because one, it gets the focus off yourself. Get your focus on God and helping other individuals. Notice where the disciples' concern was. Look what it says. Verse 38, Jesus was in the stern sleeping in the cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now they had been with Jesus for quite a while now and they saw the miracles. They knew who he was. 
they didn't quite get the idea that he was the Messiah yet, but they saw what he had done and yet they still were questioning whether he cared for them. See, if Jesus is in the boat and he's present, you need to know that God cares for you. In fact, this is not in my notes, but hold it here. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Look with me in verses 5 through 7. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 7. Peter says, young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The, the word that we need to look at is humble. That comes from a, our English word, which means humility. It also means humiliate. It's, it's, it's a form of humiliate. It's saying, I can't do it, but you can. It's saying, I'm not capable in my own strength to get this done, but you are. So God says he opposes the proud. The proud person says, I don't need God's help. The proud person says, I can get this done on my own. I can figure this out. But what happens a lot of times when we try to get ourselves out of our mess? It's kind of like my daughters. They went down uh, probably our third year when we were up in uh, Abernathy. Uh, they'd went out into the ditch and met some neighbor kids. And, of course, my kids directed their kids down into a ditch. Of all things, it was the pastor's kids that led them over into the mud. And we, I get a phone call because one of my neighbors was a deputy sheriff and really good friends. And he gives me a call and we're at working out in the garden. Stacy remembers this. And he goes, I don't want to alarm you or anything, but they got the sheriff's department out there looking for your daughters. And I went, oh, okay, I'm okay. But I tell Stacy, and of course, you know, she's a mama. My girls, you know. So I go down to the hill and there's another sheriff's deputy there. And we're calling out to him. I don't hear nothing. We call out again. Finally, we hear a faint cry. We get down there, they got stuck in mud in the creek. And this is a big property. But what happens when you get stuck in the mud and you try to get yourself out? Right? Yeah. It, it, there's a suction effect to it. And you get, you, you get stuck worse. Yeah. Guys, when we try to do things on our own, we get stuck worse. Now, the good thing about what the disciples did is they did go to Jesus, right? They still went to the one that could get them out of it. But he says here, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he, God, may lift you up in due time. I, I want to focus on the due time. We have a microwave society here today. Now, I'm going to tell you, being on a trip, I, I'm, I'm done with fast food. Now, I will eat again tonight, but anybody eat fast food for a couple weeks? One, my weight went up, right? Your cholesterol goes up, and you're like, I cannot stand another burger, right? So even when you go to restaurants, you're looking for broccoli and, and all the good things mama told you to eat that you didn't like when you were a kid. And when you get older, you're like, oh, that's what I want. He says that he may lift you up and do die. We're in a microwave society. 
There's a time from the time that God, that, that you pray that God will send the answer bef and sometimes it takes a while before the answer is fulfilled. In, in Daniel, remember when Daniel prayed, he had to fast and pray for 21 days. And the reason for that, the prince of Persia was fighting against the archangel that was coming to give the answer to Daniel. Sometimes it's a, you got to pray through things. Sometimes it's a spiritual battle. We don't always see what's going on in the spiritual realm. But can I tell you something? The spiritual is more alive and more real than the physical. Because God is spirit and he spoke us into what? Existence. So he says, in due time, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand. I like that, mighty hand. Do you believe God's got a mighty hand? Amen. Do you believe God can do anything? Yes. He can. Yeah. We need to believe him for big things. And then he says, cast all your anxiety. Now the word cast there in the original Greek literally means to throw it at his feet. It means to literally toss it at his feet. The problem, remember the old, and we, we need to do that more, altar calls. Uh, you know, when we lived in Washington, a lot of them didn't even know what the altar was. I had to teach them what the altar was. But remember, we, a lot of times we'll come to the altar, we'll leave it, and we'll cast it at God's feet, and then what do we do? We pick it right back up and we walk out with it. And how we pick it up is we talk about it, we worry about it, we fret about it. We, we take those thoughts that the enemy throws our way and we focus on those thoughts. But he says, cast all your anxiety. The word for anxiety is fret or worry on him. Do you think the disciples were anxious when they were in the boat? Yeah, that's why they said, oh, Lord, don't you care? How many of us do that with God? God, don't you even care about me? Don't you care about my situation? Don't you care what I'm going through? I'm going to tell you this morning, he does care. But you need to do something about it. You got to give it over to him. You got to lay it at his feet. That song, I surrender all. Look at this. He cast all your anxiety or worry on him because he cares for you. Now, I admit that I just said I didn't want to eat out, but we went to Rib Crib last night. I haven't been to a Rib Crib in a long time. I think it was founded in Tulsa, wasn't it? I, I, not, I'm not, I'm just saying it. I think it was founded, I can't remember. But I know it's an Oklahoma thing. I love rib crib. And they used to have the all-you-can-eat and, you know, buffet. But we were in there last night. And the minute we came in, there was a young lady working there. God just dropped her in my heart and just said, you need to tell her that I love her and I'm, I care about her. I'm concerned about her. Just give me all your anxiety. And I have a plan and purpose for you. So I waited and I waited. And I witnessed to the, our waiter and asked him if he knew the Lord. I asked him if he was going to church, if he'd given his life to Jesus. He said, yeah, in 2017. And when she, it was like a God thing. I'm like, oh, I missed an opportunity because I was talking to this guy. I said, Lord, give me another opportunity. And then she came right by and stopped. And I gave the opportunity and I shared that word with her. And she's been going through a lot of difficulties. She needed to hear, and she's saved. She needed to hear that God cares for her. Guys, this morning God isn't here to beat you up. God cares about you. He cares about your problems. He cares about your struggles. He cares about what you're thinking about. He might, you might think, well, it's just such a small problem. Listen, small problems are, 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 are no problem for God at all. He cares about even the small issues that we have. I, I just think of all the blessings that God, even, even getting down here, just the way it worked out, huh, babe? 
I call my wife babe, so that's an endearment, right? But you, God cares about those little things. Even last night when I was leading that man to Christ, it's great how God works. I'm talking to her and I'm like, wait, I got to get the luggage. I, I just loaded up all this luggage and made my wife take it upstairs. So she knows me when I got the gift of gab, she's just like, oh, well, there he goes. So, and I'm, I'm worried in my mind, Lord, I got I to gotta lead this guy to you before, so I can go help her. And right when I got done praying with him to receive Christ, here comes my daughter. Mom needs your help. When we were in Longview, uh, I pulled a really, I pulled a muscle, and I knew it was a muscle issue, but when you go through Kaiser, they want to go through all the hoopla and make sure you're not having heart issues, and so I'm not, I don't have any heart issues, I'm doing great, but I had, uh, I, I think I pulled a muscle in here, so I had to go to the hospital there, and I'm thinking, I don't need to do this, this is dumb, God, why do I have to be here? Again, I'm, I'm speaking of being used by God, even when you're in trials, right? So I'm in the hospital there, and here comes a guy with a Philadelphia Eagles t-shirt. I said, hey, my wife's from Pennsylvania. She'd love that shirt. After the Pittsburgh Steelers, of course, I had to figure. So he comes by, and his name is Nathaniel, and we're sitting there, and he sparks up a conversation with me. So I tar- start talking about the Lord with him. And, and you can do it easily. You know, there, there's ways to break the ice. And as, as you know, I'm, I've got this pain going on, I'm, but I'm focused on, doing the works of the ministry, seeing another person come into the kingdom. And I start talking about how good God is, and he gives me a fist bump, and I finally I just ask him, well, do you know the Lord? And he kind of sat there for a minute, and I start asking him questions about what it means to be saved. He didn't, he didn't know what it meant to be saved. He'd never been saved before. He had just gotten beat up two months before in a bar, and he had a scar here where he was in a coma for two weeks. So he understood that your life could be taken just like that. And we're sitting in that waiting room. And I knew that that was the reason why I was supposed to be there for that day. You know, sometimes God will interrupt your life if you're not listening just to reach somebody for Christ. So sometimes your problem is really nothing about you. It's because he wants to reach somebody. So I'm in there and I share the gospel with him. And I said, do you want to get saved? He goes, yeah. So we walk over to the pop machine. I led the guy to the Lord. All these people are listening to it. And right when I get done praying with them, they called me back. That's the way God works. God wants to use you. So get your focus off your storm and get your focus on Jesus and ask God what you can do for somebody else. Go back with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark 38, let's read that again. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on the cushion. And then the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Look what Jesus does. He gets up and does something amazing. First, Jesus shows that he cares. He gets up and he does what? Verse 39, he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves. And he said, Quiet, be still. The wind died down and it was completely calm. Notice that he he uses the word rebuke. That means this was a demonic attack. Jesus knew his time hadn't come yet. So he rebuked it. There are some times in our life where we just need to rebuke the attacks of the enemy. I believe the enemy was hard against us. After I, 
the day that we got candidate, it was really cool. There was like, I don't know if you saw the rainbows outside. That was really cool. But the minute we got home, it was attack after attack after attack. And you know what we had to do? We had to find, constantly rebuke it. You have authority in Christ when the enemy attacks. But that doesn't mean he goes away right away. You have to keep rebuking him. You have to keep fighting against him. Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and it caused it to become steel. Jesus said that you and I would do greater things than him. And Jesus is inside of you. The Holy Spirit resides in you. Therefore, you have authority to rebuke the enemy. Now, sometimes storms are just because of life, right? We live in a fallen world and things come. Uh, God uses those things. Sometimes God will send a test. Other times, it's a demonic attack. And you have to take authority over it. And so Jesus rebuked the wind. Notice it says wind. It was the wind causing the waves. Sometimes it may be some particular thing. Now, we don't want to always over-spiritualize things, but I can tell you this, that Satan has minions. Satan's not omnipresent. Remember, Satan is still God's Satan. I'm going to say it again. Satan is still God's Satan. God created him. So therefore, he has no authority or power over God. He allows, if you know the story of Job, but you have authority over that. If I got pulled over, so I don't know what it is. I've never done anything wrong, but when a cop comes by, I get nervous. And Steve's like, why do you get nervous? He's not even pulling you. I don't know. I just get nervous, right? It's just me. Maybe I'm the only one, you know. And it could be a scrawny little cop that gets out, but if he's got the badge on, there's authority behind the badge. Let me tell you, Satan's not scared of you. He's scared of the one that's inside of you. And you have power and authority over the works of the devil because Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. So you need to keep fighting him, believing in faith. Remember, this is a lesson on faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, uh, Without faith it is impossible to please God. Because you must believe that he exists first, and then get this, that he's a rewarder. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. God wants to reward you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to encourage you. Now that's in the Bible. That's not a seven steps to success book. That's called the Holy Bible. That he says that that can happen. So Jesus cared about it. In fact, in Matthew 8, 25, it says the account records them saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Sometimes in your life, you notice Jesus didn't really rebuke them for calling on him. He rebuked them for their lack of what? Faith. But it's okay to call on the Lord. Lord, I need your help. We need God's help. And that's in everything, right? Now, the disciples are fearing for their life. And the, the, the Greek word for don't you care is actually literally means to care about. Basically, they were questioning whether Jesus cared about them at all. Jesus cares about you. And because he cares about you, he has put that authority in you to rebuke the wind and the waves. Morgan, in his uh, commentary, says this. It was not a request to him to do anything, but a protest against his apparent indifference. 
they were upset that the Lord wasn't doing anything about it. David Gusick in his commentary says this. He says, Jesus made a promise to his disciples. He didn't say, let us perish in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. He promised his disciples they would cross over to the other side. So when Jesus says, you're going to make it, you're going to make it. You're more than conquerors. In fact, hold your spot here. Go with me to Romans chapter 8. This is not in my notes this morning. Romans chapter 8. How many of you guys are familiar with this passage? Start with me in verse 31. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Paul says, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Do you believe that God is for you? Okay. If you believe that God is for you, then you can believe that he's going to get you out of your mess. Now, it may again, it may not happen overnight. It could be in due time, but he will exalt you. He, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring a charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. I love that. Jesus isn't condemning us. He's interceding for us. He wants to see you succeed. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or danger of the sword. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. In the Greek it literally means super conquerors. You are a super conqueror in Christ. Yeah, that's, I, hey, I've got a couple hallelujahs going on here. You are a super conqueror in Christ. That's from God's own lips. Because, you know, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures God breathed, useful for correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness, right? So if this is God's word, he says that you, if you're a believer, are a super conqueror. Amen. In fact, that word conqueror means above and beyond all things. That's awesome. Amen. That's the God we serve. If he is for you, then who can be against you? Your trouble can't be against you. Now, you may be going through it, but it's not going to overtake you. Because you're grounded and rooted in who? Christ. And then he says, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Do you believe that God loves you? In fact, jump back here to, to verse 28 in Romans. Verse 28. Look what he says here. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. So God is going to work all things out for your good. Now when you're going through it, it doesn't feel like it's good, does it? But he's going to work it out for your good. Again, it's to make you stronger. So Jesus cares. I like in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us, by, uh, by us to the glory of God. That means God keeps his promises. He's not a man that he should lie, Scripture says. 
But so if God says he's going to get you through, he's going to get you through, right? Uh, just like this church, God's going to help it grow. But it's up to him how he does it, when he does it, and which ways he does it. We just need to go along with the ride. Jonah ended up in the storm because of his disobedience. But the disciples got into a storm because of their obedience to the Lord. I want to read that again. That's Warren Worsby in his commentary. Jonah ended up in a storm because of his disobedience. Some of you, your storm can be because of disobedience. Right? I, I, just, I, I, I like what uh, a friend of mine just said recently. He said, delayed obedience is still disobedience. I know that with my kids. Go, go clean your room. I come back out. Why haven't you cleaned your room yet? Because they're watching TV. Or now it's all these tablets and stuff. Boy, I wish we didn't have those. They're great when you go to the doctor at Walmart or something. But, but delayed obedience is not obedience. And then I have to come back in. Okay, go clean your room. It's the same with God. Spurgeon wrote this, there may be both a sleeping Christ and a sleeping church, but neither Christ nor his church can perish. If our Lord be asleep, he is asleep near the helm. He has only one to put his hand out to the steer the vessel at once. He is asleep, but he only sleeps until we cry more loudly to him. When we get into such trouble that we cannot help ourselves and feel our entire de dependence on him, then he will reveal his power. Amen. And that's what Jesus did. So Jesus cares about us. Peace comes when we know that Jesus answers. So peace comes when we know Jesus is in the boat. Peace comes when we know Jesus is present. Peace comes when we know Jesus cares. And peace comes when we know Jesus answers. One of my favorite scriptures is Jeremiah 33.3. Call to me and I will answer you and I will teach you great and unsearchable things that you do not yet know. So right there, Jeremiah says that when we call to him, he will answer. In fact, in that same scripture I talked about Daniel, the angel came to him and says, Daniel, we had an answer for you the minute you began to pray. The Bible says that he knows the needs of our hearts before we even pray them. give you an answer yesterday and this is for you guys as a church I was looking online because we were going to buy our own washer and dryer and I saw the sale of a washer and dryer from Lowe's and uh, talked to Gary Cook yesterday and we came into the parsonage and that same washer and dryer were there <laughs> that's the way God works that 97 Chevy pickup that I've got that's green. Now, I grew up with Ford, so I'm more of a Ford guy. Some of you guys may say, hey, oh, whatever, you know. It doesn't matter. They're all built the same anymore. They all have parts from all over the world. But I needed a truck when we were in Wyoming. You know, we had to, we had to fell a couple trees, big old ponderosa pines, and we had a storm come in, and it was a heavy, uh, it was an early storm in the beginning of October, and we had two feet of snow, and it was wet, heavy snow, and we had some trees that were leaning towards the parsonage, so we had to cut them down. And, you know, I would go over to the church and do the coal furnace because uh, there they have a lot of coal. So uh, it was up to me to keep the coal furnace going. Oh, I will never do another coal furnace again. <laughs> How many of you guys have ever seen the movie The Christmas Story? It's my favorite. I know there's some bad stuff in it, but it's my favorite Christmas movie. And he has to do the coal furnace. You'll understand. I understand that now. But... I needed something to haul the ash to the dump, and I needed a, 
something to haul the branches that we were cutting to the, to the dump. And I prayed and I said, Lord, I need a truck. And uh, I saw a three-quarter ton Dodge pickup that was for sale. And we didn't have the money at the time, but I went and test drove. You know how that goes. You test drive it. And, and the Lord spoke to me and says, no, I will get you a truck. So I told Stacy that. I am so thankful for my wife. Men, your wives that are next to you that are faithful to God and love it, listen to them. Right? Okay, I got some smirks from the men in here. Well, okay, wives, you can listen to your husbands too. That, that, I, I made it better. But so I told her that, and she kept me to it because I was tempted to use our income tax to go buy it. And oh, she said, God said he'd get you a truck. You know, having grown up with Fords, I was looking at different Fords, but I've always liked the late model Chevy pickups. I just love. I like that square look. And God knows the desires of your heart, too. And so the Baptist minister in town had a Chevy truck like that. And all of a sudden, this excitement jumped up inside of me. I didn't say nothing. The next day, I go to the office, and I get a phone call. It was, a, uh, it was my presbyter calling me. And... Most of the time, I would not answer my cell phone because we had prayer on Thursday morning. So this was a, a Thursday morning, and I wouldn't answer the cell phone. I would answer just the church when we were in prayer. Well, he calls me, and it goes emergency phone call. It drops, and they did it twice, but God did that on purpose to keep me in the office because right then the church phone rang, and I picked it up, and an individual said, Hey, I heard that you've been praying about getting a truck. He goes, I know you're a Ford guy, but how would you, what would you think about a Chevy? I said, I wouldn't care. I don't care. How much does he want for me? He goes, no, no. I, I, I work for the oil field, and I just got a big bonus, and I want to put my tie towards the Lord, and I want to bless you with a truck. And the day before that, I'd prayed, Lord, I was out. I'd, now, I, in Upton, I would walk and go to the graveyard to pray. I know that's weird, but it, it was a nice area. It was pretty. The deer would go out there, and everybody's dying to get in there. I know that was a bad joke, but so I would go and pray, and I had just prayed the day before. I said, Lord, I really need a truck. Want, there's a little bit of want there, Lord, because I like to go deer hunting. It has somewhere to put deer in the back of the truck, but, you know, there's some personal reasons, but I really need a truck, and the next morning is when they, they called, and so that green pickup that I've got was something that God gave me. God will meet your need. I shared with you some of the other stories last time we were here. You know, with the $500 that God blessed us with, with the diapers. So God cares about you. If anything you get out of here this morning, if it builds your faith to know that God does genuinely care about where you're at. Maybe you're not going through anything. So when you're not going through something, be there for somebody else. That's what he's called us to do. Whom you've done to the least of these, you've done for me. So Jesus will answer. You know, I have that scripture in there, Daniel chapter 9. In fact, go with me real quick. I, I got about 15 minutes. Go with me to Daniel chapter 9. Look with me in verses 20 through 23. Daniel chapter 9, verses 20 through 23. I mentioned this already, but I want you to read it for yourself. Daniel chapter 9, verse 20. Well, I was... Speaking and praying and confessing my sin. I like that. How many of you confess your sins to the Lord? If you got unconfessed sin, especially unforgiveness. Now, God still hears your prayer, but if it's unforgiveness, he won't answer. 
He says, take your prayer, leave it at the altar, and go and make it right with that other person. Then come back to the altar. Right? I'm just speaking what Scripture says. The Bible says, as Billy Graham always used to say. So he's confessing his sin and the sin of his people, which we need to do for our country. We need to say, Lord, forgive us as a church. Forgive us as a people. And then he says, while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, making my request to the Lord, my God, for his holy heal, while I was still in prayer, I love that. While I was still in prayer, Paul says, pray on all occasions in the spirit. He says, pray for all things. In Philippians that I preached last month, he says, pray always. As I was in prayer, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you begin to pray, an answer was given, which I have come to tell you for your highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the message and understand the vision. So the minute you begin to pray, God has an answer. The problem is the answer isn't always fulfilled because of our faith. Our faith can slow down that answer to prayer. So Jesus, peace comes when we know Jesus answers. And see, Jesus spoke to the storm. That Greek word is in the perfect tense, and it means he ordered the wind and the waves to be calm. Again, God can calm your storm, but it starts with humility. This is what happens when your notes get wet, they get stuck together. <laughs> Listen to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says this. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. Now that word temptation there in the Greek also means trial. So if you look up that Greek word, it doesn't just mean temptation from sin. That can be a trial. It means trials. So when he says no trial has overtaken you or no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. That word way out also means through it. That God will help you get through whatever it is you're getting through. Sometimes God doesn't pluck you out. Most of the time, he doesn't. We, we want to we be plucked out of our problem. And God's a, God has us in that problem for a reason. Again, I've already shared some of this, but a lot of it is because he's preparing you and I for something. Finally, peace comes when we know Jesus is God. Peace comes when we know Jesus is God. Let's go back to Mark and we're going to close. Look at me in verse 40. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? He's questioning them on their faith. Verse 41, they were terrified. They were terrified. The, the word is almost like awestruck. 
and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I think it was at this point that they recognized there's something different about this man. He's not only performing miracles, but he has the power over the wind and the waves. Who has power over nature? Only God does. God's the only one that has power over nature. See, Jesus is God. When you get saved, Jesus becomes your Savior, but is he your Lord? There's a big difference. Lord means master. He's the boss. We recognize who he is. We recognize that nothing is impossible with him. We recognize him that he's above everything. We recognize that he answers prayer. He can heal. He can deliver. He can set free. The reason why the disciples lack faith is because at that, before this moment, they failed to recognize that Jesus was not only the Messiah, but that he was the son of the living God and that he was deity. They had witnessed all these miracles, yet they hadn't grasped that yet. And that is why they were terrified. In fact, the word terrified means cowardly fear or have awe. I think sometimes we need to get to a point where we say, God, I reverence you. God, I respect you. I am in awe of you. Even in our worship this morning, right? Praise him. I'm going to share one more story. You guys okay with that? I'm a story guy. I might have shared this last month, but you'll hear some of my same stories over and over again. Until God gives me new ones. When I was in the service, and I remember sharing this with you, but I'm going to share it again with you guys. When I was in the service, it's going through some difficult times. When, when you're in the military, you have to adjust. You have to take orders. It's different. You're not with mama anymore. As, as they say, your, your heart belongs to mama, but your backside belongs to Uncle Sam. Yeah. Right? And, and I'm just stating that's the truth. That's what they used to tell us in basic training. And so I'm, in, I'm a thousand miles away from mom. I'm 19 years old. I'm having a difficult time. It was a culture shock for me. I'm in North Dakota with temperatures 30 below zero. We had, eight bl- we had already had two blizzards at that time. We had eight that winter. Doing something I've never done before, working with on nuclear missile sites. So getting, you know, all the, all the tension that is involved with that. And, and I can't go through all the things because I'm still under, that's classified information. I can't talk about it, even to this day. But I remember going into church one morning just feeling depressed. And worship was going on, and at that time, Valley Christian Center was running around 300 people. And I remember going, and it was somewhere over in that area over there. And I remember coming in, and everybody's worshiping, and I'm just having a pity party. And I remember saying in my heart, God, I just, I'm not going to worship you right now. I just don't feel like it. Right then, Pastor Kyle, in the middle of worship, stopped it, and he said, I don't know who you are, but God says, I am worthy to be praised, and I need to be worshipped, and you will worship me. And I remember all the words. I, I still remember that. And I remember standing up immediately and worshipping the Lord. I used to attend a, a believer's church on Friday nights up in Tulsa when I first got out of the service. And I remember sitting in the back, and, and all these college kids from ORU were in the back. And I remember saying this in, in, in my heart. I said this in my heart, so don't ever say this. But I said, Lord, I feel like you've called me to fail. That's wrong, but that's how I felt. Yeah. I said that in my heart. I didn't say it out loud. 
Mark Tietzort, the pastor, one of the pastors on staff, came up right at the end of worship. And he goes, I have a word for somebody. I have not called you to fail. And he said all the words, the opposite of what God told me. Now, when you hear that, what do you think happens? Guys, you need to hear God like that. You can. My 14-year-old my daughter hears those things. We pray about things, don't we? We get worried about certain things. And then God will speak to her. Your ears need to be sensitive to what God is saying to you. Maybe God's saying, I'm going to get you out of this when you start helping somebody else. I'm going to get you out of your problem when you start praising me and focusing on me and not your problem. So how do we respond to unexpected storms? We respond with faith, not fear. How many of you guys know the acronym for fear? False evidence appearing real. Satan makes to look things, make, make, likes to make things look bigger than what they are. You, you go into the what ifs. Joyce Myers says that in her book. All the what ifs. Anybody ever have the what ifs? Believe me, I knew it was a muscle issue in my arm, but I started going, all the what ifs. I had to tell my brain to shut off. I had to rebuke it. Because your flesh will start going in all these different ways, in different directions. So we need to respond with faith, not fear. Again, coward in the Webster Dictionary. Remember, cowardly fear is one of the definitions for that terrified. The Webster Dictionary, it means to he who lacks courage or is shamefully afraid. Instead, we need to display courage, which means the quality of being brave, which is another word for confidence. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That word boldly means confidence. Come before Jesus. God, I need your help. You know, that again, that's not bad what the disciples did. They came before his throne with confidence. They came before him. Lord, we need your help. Of course, their attitude was wrong. Sometimes our attitude is wrong. God, don't you care? And yet, he cares. Romans 10, 17, how do we build our faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. You want to build your faith? Get into the word. Listen to the word. Fill your heart and your mind with the word. Because Romans chapter 12 says, uh, I think it's verses 1 and 2, it says, uh, Do not conform any longer to the, pa- uh, to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transform is metamorphosis, which is a butterfly, a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. God wants to renew your mind. Second, faith can be built by remembering past things that God has done. Do you know why God had them set up pillars in the Old Testament? So that they would remember what he brought them through. Yeah, Gilgal. They set up a pillar when they crossed the Jordan and they set up a pillar in Gilgal. And Gilgal means the reproach is removed. How many of yours, your reproach has been removed? I told that, I, I told, Alfred, he told me that my name is like Alfredo sauce, so it was easy for me to remember. But I told him last night, I said, your sin has been removed. You've been justified. The word justified means as if you have never sinned at all. Guys, go back to Gilgal. Go back to the place where you can say, God delivered me here. God delivered me here. God delivered me here. And when that happens, God will build your faith. So build your faith through the word. Look back at what God has already done. Respond with trust. Trust means a firm belief in the honesty and reliability of another. 
Is Jesus reliable? Is he honest? So it's a firm belief that he is reliable for you. Finally, respond with prayer. Remember the scripture from last month? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with, by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all, all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You are not alone. I want you to know that this morning. You're not alone. You have brothers and sisters in Christ here in this room that you can rely on. You have Jesus that you can rely on. I want to finish with this story real quick. and I, I promise I won't go over noon here. This is the last thing. How many of you guys know who Tim LaHaye is? He wrote the Left Behind books. This is about his wife. It says, it's called Calm at the Core. In Especially for Women, Beverly LaHaye writes about how upset she was when her husband, Tim LaHaye, took, wanted her to fly or take flying lessons. Her immediate response was, I think you're foolish. Why would you want to get into a plane with only one engine? I started right off giving God my opinions and drawing my own conclusions. My fear was controlling me. Tim suggested, be open with the Lord. Let him know you're afraid of flying, but that you're willing to be changed if that's what he would have. Beverly did just that. Tim took flying lessons, and she repeatedly committed her fears and their lives to the Lord. Years later, she was a passenger in a commuter plane that was caught in a storm. As the plane bounced in the sky, the LaHaye's attorney, normally a, calm man was uh, normally a calm man, was sure they were going to crash. He looked over and saw that Beverly was asleep. He asked her later, how could you sleep so peacefully? Beverly responded, it had to be God. Only he could have brought me from that crippling fearfulness to a place where I could fly through such a storm and be at peace. The only way to truly overcome our fears is to commit them to the Lord. When we let go of our fears and let God deal with them, he can replace them with his peace and we can sleep right through the storms. God loves you. Before I... I was going to have Dennis come up before I have Dennis come up and play the piano, before I invite, because I want to pray for you this morning. Some of you may not be going through anything. Praise God, that's great. But if you're going through something, I want to pray for you. But before I do that, I don't like to leave a service without knowing that you're saved. Listen, I, I, I just met most of you, so only God knows your heart. With every head bowed, every eye closed in here this morning. Are you here this morning and maybe you're going through, you are going through a storm, but it might be because... You don't know Jesus. You cannot get through the storms of this life without Jesus' help. Are you here this morning and you would say, Pastor, I, 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 I know about Jesus. I, I've been in church, but I've never surrendered my life to Christ before. I've never surrendered my life and given my life to Him. And I want to do that today. I want to go to heaven when I die. I want to know that without a shadow of doubt that I'm born again and saved this morning. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? You want to go to heaven. You, you've never been saved. Everybody's saved in here this morning. Anybody in here? Are you here this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm going through a storm right now and I need prayer. I, I, need, I need God to touch my life. I need, I need to get through this. I need help as I'm going through this. Would you just raise your hand right where you're at? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now I'm going to ask by faith. I'm going to ask by faith if you'd step up from your place and come to the altar so that I could pray for you this morning. Those that raise your hand, right now, right where you're at. 
And if I could get Dennis to come up and play the piano for me. And if I could get some of our elders and some ladies to help pray for some of these ladies this morning.
you want to stay, you're welcome to stay. If you'd like to be dismissed, you're welcome to be dismissed. Thank you for being here this morning. We're going to continue to pray if you would like to pray. Also, while we're praying, if you want to talk, would you guys take it out into the foyer so we can concentrate on those that are praying. Bless you guys. Thank you for this wonderful day. God bless you.